0: Hey, guys. I brought a guest. Um, Good afternoon. Uh, First off, at the top, uh, I want to acknowledge that there's been an additional wave of threats uh, to Jewish community centers uh, and Anti-Defamation League offices. According to some reports, there have been over 100 bomb threats phoned into Jewish institutions since the start of this year alone. As the President said at the beginning of his joint address, Quote, we're a country that stands united in condemning hate and evil in all of its forms. We denounce these latest anti-Semitic and hateful threats in the strongest terms. It is incredibly saddening that I have to continue to share these disturbing reports with you. And I share the President's thoughts that he fervently hopes that we don't continue to have to share these reports uh, with you. But as long as they will, as long as they do continue, we'll continue to condemn them and look at ways in which we can uh, stop them. Uh, now, to news of the day. Uh, you saw President Trump yesterday continue to deliver on two of his most significant campaign promises, protecting the country against radical Islamic terrorism, and repealing and op- replacing Obamacare with a pat- patient-centric alternative. We talked a lot about the executive order protecting uh, the nation from foreign terrorist entry into the United States yesterday. Uh, and so, on to Obamacare. I'd like to introduce uh, the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Dr. Tom Price to come up and talk to you a little bit about the plan to repeal and replace Obamacare. Dr. Price. Thanks, Sean. Good afternoon. First, let me uh,
1: just uh, share with you what an honor it is to serve as the Secretary of Health and Human Services. I'm the third physician out of 23 individuals who've had the privilege of serving as the Secretary of Health and Human Services. And the mission at our department is to improve the health and safety and well-being of the American people. And we take that mission uh, very, very seriously. Uh, and for many Americans right now, uh, their ability to gain health care or health coverage is a real challenge. Uh, for most Americans, they receive their health coverage through their employer. It's about 175 million folks. Those individuals will see no significant change other than there won't be a penalty uh, for, for uh, not purchasing coverage. Uh, for the folks in the Medicare system, there will be no changes at all in the current, uh, in, in the current law. But we're talking about those people in the individual and small group market, the, the, the moms and pops, the folks who run the corner grocery store, the corner uh, cleaners. Those individuals out there are having huge challenges gaining care and gaining coverage. And then Medicaid is a program that, by and large, has decreased the ability for folks to gain access to care, and we want to make certain that we address that. This is about patience. This is not about money. This is not about uh, something else. This is about patience. Uh, and sadly, the costs are going up for those folks in the individual and small group market. The access is going down, and it's only getting worse. You know the stories. Premiums increased 25% over the last year, on average. Arizona had an increase of 116%. Deductibles are going up for many, many folks. If you're a mom or a dad out there, and you make forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars, your deductible in this market, in that individual and small group market, oftentimes is eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars a year. What that means is that you've got an insurance card, but you don't get care, because you can't afford the deductible. And we know that this is happening by talking to the folks who are out there trying to provide the care. A third of the counties in the United States, one third of the counties in the United States have only one insurer offering coverage on the exchange. Five states only have one insurer offering coverage on the exchange. One insurer is not a choice. So we need to make certain that we correct that. In Tennessee this morning, it was announced that there are a number of counties that have no insurer offering coverage on the exchange. Insurers are leaving the market on the exchange. Last year, there were 232 insurers that were providing coverage, uh, that were offering coverage on the, on the exchange. Now there are 167. That's a loss of about 30 percent in one year alone. And all of this means that patients are not getting the care that they need. Now, the principles that we have as our, as our guiding star uh, are affordability. We want a system that's affordable for everybody. Accessibility, we need a system that's accessible for everybody, a system that's of the highest quality, a system that incentivizes innovation in the healthcare system, and a system that empowers patients through both transparency and accountability. The President spoke last week, last Tuesday, to a joint session of Congress, and he laid out his, his principles. Uh, first, wanted to make certain that those with preexisting illness and injury uh, were not priced out of the market. Nobody ought to lose their coverage because they get a bad diagnosis. In terms of affordability, health savings accounts. Growing choices for for patients is incredibly important. Uh, Tax credits uh, that allow individuals to be able to purchase the kind of coverage that they want, not that the government forces them to buy. We've always talked about, uh, uh, in in terms of what kinds of reforms need to be put in place, that we need to equalize the tax treatment for the purchase of coverage. Those, again, in the the employer-sponsored market, they get a tax benefit for buying health coverage. Those folks that are out there in the individual and small group market, no tax benefit. And that's what this plan would do. State flexibility. It's incredibly important that we allow the states to be the ones that are defining what health coverage is, have the flexibility, especially in the Medicaid program, to be able to respond to their vulnerable population. Uh, Lawsuit abuse, the President mentioned, and it's incredibly important, the practice of defensive medicine wastes billions and billions of dollars every single year. And we need to make certain that we're addressing that as well. The President also talked about a, a glide path, an appropriate transition to this new uh, new, uh, new phase uh, for health care for our country. And that's important as well so that nobody falls through the cracks. Uh, buying across state lines, uh, buying insurance across state lines, the President talked about this uh, on the campaign over and over. American people understand the common sense nature of purchasing across state lines, and it increases competition. And we need to make certain that that happens, and then addressing uh, the incredible increase in drug prices. Um, There are three phases of this plan. One is the bill that was introduced uh, uh, last evening uh, in the House of Representatives. That's the the start of all of this. Second, are all the regulatory modifications and changes that can be put into place. As you all well know, the previous administration used regulations to a fairly well. In fact, there were 192 specific rules that were put out as they relate to Obamacare. Over 5,000 letters of guidance, uh, uh, and the like. And we are going to go through every single one of those and make certain that they, if they help patients, then we need to continue them. If they harm patients or, or increase costs, uh, then obviously they need to be addressed. Uh, and then there's other legislation that will need to be addressed that can't be done through the reconciliation process. So the goal of all of this is patient-centered healthcare, where patients and families and doctors are making medical decisions and not the federal government. Uh, we, look, we commend the House for the introduction of the bill yesterday, and we look forward to working uh, with all individuals in this process. And I look forward to a few questions. Yes, sir.
0: Director, Director, you're familiar from your time in the House with the clout that conservative groups like the uh, Club for Growth and Heritage Action have with rank and file members. What does it say about this legislation uh, that these groups are already uh, out with opposition to, to it?
1: Well, I think that, it, that this is the beginning of the process, uh, and and we look forward to working with them and and others to make certain that again we come up with that process that aligns with the principles uh, that we've defined uh, that they actually uh, uh, adhere to or agree uh, with as well, and that is that we need a system that's affordable for folks, a system that is, that's accessible for individuals, that's of the highest quality, that incentivizes innovation, uh, and that empowers patients, uh, and so we look forward to working with them through this process. Yes, ma'am
0: had said today that
1: Americans will have to forego a new iPhone to pay for health care, and they'll have to kind of make these choices. Uh, does the administration agree with that? Will Americans under this plan will they need to maybe sacrifice other? goods to pay for
0: their health care?
1: This is an important question, because what's happening right now is that the American people are having to sacrifice in order to purchase coverage. And as I mentioned, many individuals can't afford the, the, the kind of coverage that they have right now. So they've got that insurance card, but they don't have care. Uh, what, what our desire is, is is to drive down the health care costs for everybody. Uh, and the way that you do that is to increase choices for folks, increase competition, uh, return the regulation of health care where it ought to be, which is at the state level, not at, at the federal level. Uh, all of these things that that uh, taken in their aggregate uh, will, in fact, decrease the cost of health uh, care and health coverage. Uh, and that will allow folks to be able to purchase the coverage that they want. Yes, sir.
0: Bryce, I have uh, two questions for you. The first has to do with uh, guarantees that you can make as the administration's point person on this legislation. Can you guarantee that whatever legislation emerges and makes it to the president's desk uh, will allow individuals, if they like their doctor, they can keep their doctor? And the second guarantee is, can you also guarantee that health care premiums for individuals will come down with this new legislation?
1: Again, a remarkably important question because, as you'll recall, the promise from the last administration was if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. Both of those promises turned out to be not true. Uh, We think it's incredibly important for the American people to be able to select the physician and the place where they're treated uh, themselves, that that the government ought not be involved in, in that process. Uh, and so our goal is to absolutely to make certain that individuals have the opportunity to select their physician. In terms of, uh, of premiums, uh, we, we believe strongly that through this whole process and as it takes effect, uh, that we'll see a decrease in not only the, the, the premiums that individuals will see, uh, but a decrease in the cost of health care for folks. Remember, that, this, that was another promise that, that the previous administration made, that, that you'd see a decrease in $2,500 on average uh, for families across this land. In fact, what they've seen is an increase of twenty. Five hundred or three thousand dollars. So we're going to go in the other direction. We're going to go in a direction that empowers patients and holds down costs. Right. 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 Yes, yeah. right. yeah. Mr. Secretary, uh, you you are uh, quite a distance away uh, from conservatives with this plan. And, and the central part of it, which is tax credits, which they see as yet another entitlement, very similar to the entitlement of Obamacare. They're different in form. Yeah. How do you convince them, since it's going to take tax credits to make this work, that they need to swallow this and and move forward with the bill. I mean, you're getting an awful lot of opposition on the central tenet of this whole thing. This is all about patience. Uh, And in order to provide that transition, and in order to make it so that nobody falls through the cracks, we've got to have a system that allows for individuals to gain the kind of coverage that that they want. And we, conservatives and and, uh, others, have said for a long, long time that we believe it's important to equalize the tax treatment for those purchasing coverage, gaining coverage through their employer, and those not. And the tax credit is the opportunity to be able to equalize that tax treatment. Uh, folks have talked about this for for, uh, for many uh, many years, actually, so that there's not a distortion in the tax code for who's able to gain a, a, a benefit for being able to purchase coverage and not. Yes, sir, sir, um, uh, Mr. Secretary, um, you were talking about making sure people don't fall through the cracks. The last administration with Obamacare focused in on making sure the underserved uh, were part of the equation. What is the safety net or the safeguard that you have to make sure to ensure people don't fall through the cracks beyond the tax incentives, but also for the underserved who are now part of many are now part of the program that weren't before. Or prior to yeah, the this contract. is this is uh, extremely important as well, and it's and, and the, the current system, as you likely know, uh, for those vulnerable in our population, especially in the Medicaid population, this is a system that's that's broken. You've got a third of the physicians in this country, one third of the doctors in this country that would be eligible to see Medicaid patients who aren't seeing Medicaid patients right now. And it's not because they've forgotten how to take care of patients, it's because of the rules that are in place that make it too onerous or too difficult for them to see Medicaid patients. So we believe that it's important to allow states to have that flexibility to fashion the program for their vulnerable population that actually responds to that population in a way that gives them the authority, them the choices, them the opportunity to gain coverage and the care that they believe most appropriate. When when you
0: find out that
1: that is not happening when you give it to the states, is there some type of punishment or some type of uh, piece that you're going to put in place to make sure that that happens that they follow through on your intent yeah there's uh, absolutely there's accountability throughout the, uh, the, the plan that we have that would uh, allow for the secretary and the department to be certain that the individuals that we believe uh, need to be cared for are being cared for in, at, in the state at the appropriate uh, at the appropriate level uh, but we believe this is a partnership this is about patience and partnership the previous administration tended to make it about government. We believe it's about patience and partnership, and we want to partner with every single person in this land who wants to make certain that we allow the kind of choices and quality to exist. Yes, ma'am. The um The President tweeted earlier today, he described this bill as our wonderful new health care bill. There's been a little bit of confusion. Does this represent the administration's bill, and is there anything in this bill that the administration cannot support? This has been a, a work in progress. As you know, this has been going on for over over a year. Uh, the work that uh, that I had the privilege of uh, of uh, participating in when I served in the House of Representatives in the last Congress uh, was was open and and transparent, and uh, we, we we invited folks in uh, to uh, to give their ideas and. Uh, tens if not hundreds of people had input into that process. This grew out of that and over the past number of weeks we've been having conversations with uh, with folks uh, on the hill uh, in the house and in the senate uh, and other stakeholders. And so this is a work product that is a, a result of all of that all of that process. The president and, and and the administration support this step in the right what we believe is in, in the right direction, uh, a step that repeals uh, Obamacare and gets us moving in the direction of those principles that I outlined. Do you support everything yeah. Yeah. Bill that's sitting on the table, sir. Do you support everything that's in the bill sitting on the table, sir? Well, this is a work in progress, and we will work, we'll work with the House uh, and the Senate in this process. As you know, it's a legislative process that occurs. I'm glad you pointed out the, 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 the bills on the table there. As, you, as you'll see, this bill right here was the bill that was, was introduced um, in, in 2009 and 10 by the previous administration. Notice how thick that is. Some of you will recall that I actually turned the pages and went through that piece of legislation in a YouTube. The bill on the, the the pile on the right uh, is is the current bill, uh, and what it what it means is that we're we are uh, making certain that the process that the decisions that are going to be made are not going to be made by the federal government, they're going to be made by patients and families and doctors. Mr. One Mr. last, Chair, given the opposition that John and others have brought up here today, uh, does this plan already need to be salvaged in your view, and how do you do it? Oh no, we, this you know what what happens with these things that you start you start at a starting point. People engage and they get involved in the process. Uh, uh, sometimes oh. to a greater degree. Nothing focuses the mind like a bill that's uh, currently on the table and and that has uh, has a as a work in progress, uh, or in process. And and uh, we'll we'll work through it. This 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 is the th- point here. this is, this is, this, is in, this is an important process to be had. The American people have said to their elected leaders that the 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 Obamacare process for them gaining coverage and care is not working. That's what they've said. And so we believe it's important to respond to the American people and provide a health care system that allows for them to purchase the kind of coverage and care that they desire. Um,
0: You said in your letter to the House Chairman uh, that necessary technical and appropriate changes might need to be made for this bill to reach the President's desk. So what specific changes is the White House and the administration looking for in this bill?
1: Well, as I mentioned, there are three different phases to this process. One is this bill, this legislation that's working through, under the rules of reconciliation, which is a fancy term to mean that that uh, there are only certain things that you can do from a budgetary standpoint, has to affect either spending or, or, or revenue. Uh, there are things that you can't do in this bill, and those w- we plan on doing in, in, uh, in, in, across the horizon in Phase 2, which is the regulatory portion, and then in Phase 3, which is another piece of legislation that, that uh, would be going through the House and the Senate uh, uh, with a with a majority, supermajority uh, in the Senate. That process will inco- will incorporate all of the kinds of things that we believe are absolutely necessary to reconstitute that individual and small group market and to get us in a position, again, where patients and families and docs are made. Making these decisions.
0: So bearing in mind that the CBO score isn't yet, yet, can you guarantee that this plan will not have a markedly negative impact on the deficit or result in millions of Americans losing health uh, insurance?
1: What I can say is that the goal and the desire I know of the individuals on the on the Hill is to make certain that this does not increase the cost to the federal government.
0: Two elements, two elements of the
1: bill. Uh, I have questions about how they control costs and how they help with access the Medicaid uh, per capita block grant to the states. Uh, how is that sort of fundamentally different uh, from the Obamacare regime on Medicaid in terms of expanding access? And then the second point, why doesn't this bill uh, uh, do away with the cost-sharing community ratings uh, regime that Obamacare has? Uh, to the, the per capita cap, the Medicaid, again, is a, is a system that doesn't work for patients. You've got, you got folks out there who need care, who need to see particular physicians, who aren't able to see them. The, the, all Americans should be uh, uh, saddened by the situation that, that, that we have when, you, when there are patients out there that can't get the care that they need. We believe one of the keys to, to providing appropriate care in the Medicaid population is, is uh, allowing the states to have the flexibility to address that Medicaid population. Remember, Medicaid population is four, di- four different v- demographic groups. It's those who are disabled. It's those who are seniors. It's healthy moms and kids, by and large. Those are the four main demographic groups. And, and we, the federal government, force states, mostly, to take care of those individuals in exactly the same way. If, if you describe that to the folks back home on Main Street, they say, that doesn't make any sense at all. You need a program that's different for the, for the healthy moms and kids to respond to their needs, that's different than, the, than folks who are disabled and, and, and seniors. And so what we believe is appropriate is to say to the states, you know your population best. You know best how to care for your vulnerable, vulnerable population. We're going to watch you and make certain that you do so, but you know how to do that. And that will decrease costs markedly in, 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 in the Medicaid program. We're wasting significant amounts of money. Not that folks are getting too much care. We're wasting it because it's inefficient and there's significant uh, um, abuse in the system. So, uh, in terms of, of, of the cost-sharing, I think that the cost-sharing measures are, are being addressed. It's important that we that we run through that process. This is the, uh, uh, the process where we felt the previous administration was spending money uh, that they didn't have the authority to spend, and Congress is working through that to make certain that the rightful, Uh, Holders of uh, the authority to spend money in this nation, which is the is the Congress of the United States, uh, exercises that authority. Mr. Secretary, Secretary, how does the White House and you feel about the label Trump Care? Well, oh, I'll let others provide a description for it. I prefer to call it patient care. This is about this is about patients. At the end of the day, this isn't about politicians. This isn't about insurance companies. This is about patients and patients in this nation, especially those in the individual and small group market. These are the folks. I had the privilege of going to Cincinnati last week with the vice president to a, to a small business roundtable, and one of the, one of the business owners, one of the small business owners there, said he had 18 employees last year at this time. This year, he has 15 employees, not because he doesn't have the work, but because of the cost of health coverage for those individuals forced him, forced him to let three people go. Now, they're being forced to let three people go because the federal government has put in place rules and regulations that make it virtually impossible for folks in the individual and small group market to provide coverage for their employees. This is a system that's not working for people. So if, you, if, if, you, if we focus on the patients, I'll call it patient care. If you focus on the patients, we'll get to the right answer. Mr. A major,
0: a major complaint of sorry, a major complaint of conservatives with phase one of the Obamacare repeal and replace is that it is missing a measure that would uh, allow healthcare to be sold acro- across state lines. Mm-hmm. Now, the President said this morning that that would be in either phase two or phase three. Is that something? that you believe the President could do through executive action and then you yourself could do? Or is that something that you believe has to be addressed legislatively?
1: There, there, there are different aspects to the purchase across state lines that will allow individuals to gain, again, the kind of choices that they want. Um, the, some of this ca- might be able to be done uh, from a regulatory or a rule standpoint. Um, some of it will require uh, legislation, and that's where we're, where, uh, we're going to need uh, uh, the assistance of our friends on the other side of the aisle. The American people have demanded that they be able to purchase coverage across state lines, purchase coverage that they want for themselves. So whether it's through association health plans, which allows individuals who are in small business groups, like the fellow that I just mentioned, to pool together nationally to be able to purchase coverage, or whether it's uh, uh, mom and dad uh, who, who don't gain coverage through their employer uh, through something called individual health pools that allows folks to pool together solely for the purpose of purchasing coverage, even though they're not otherwise economically aligned. Uh, that, that allows people, 18, there are 18 million folks in that individual and small group market, that would allow those individuals to be able to purchase coverage and get the purchasing power of millions. That's that's huge power and authority that we want to put in the hands of people that we want to put in the hands of patients. And some of that may, in fact, require legislation. Yes, sir. Mr. Secretary, uh, thank you. Uh, two questions, but first, Congressman John Faso of New York has said that the issue of denying federal funds to Planned Parenthood should be separate. <laughs> from whatever health care bill finally emerges from Congress and is signed into law by the President? Is that the administration's position as well? And my second question is this. You mentioned earlier the people who had their health care plans canceled when they thought they could keep it. I believe in your state of Georgia, more than a million people had that experience. Will some of the plans that were canceled be able to come back under the new health care plan? Yeah, in terms of of, of uh, Planned Parenthood, we we think it's important that the legislature work its work its will on this process. Uh, it's incredibly important that that we not violate anybody's conscience. Uh, we want to protect the conscience provisions that uh, that exist. It's also important to appreciate that through community health centers, the bill that's being proposed right now would allow greater access for women to health care in greater numbers of facilities across this this uh, land. And they've actually proposed more money. For, for women's health care than, than currently exists. So I think that they're, they're working their best to uh, to address that issue. In terms of whether or not old plans that that were available before uh, might might be available, um, absolutely, and we believe that 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 the the uh, the opportunity to provide a robust uh, um, a market, a, a robust choices for individuals across this land will be secured. And again, that's one of the keys to bringing down the premium costs of bringing down the cost for health coverage. So we're excited about that and look forward to that uh, uh, coming to pass.
0: Mr. Secretary. Yeah. If the new plan calls for repealing the revenue generating taxes and penalties, but keeping the entitlements. How is that sustainable?
1: Uh, well, that, That's the, the work that somebody mentioned over here, the, the Congressional Budget Office score. And, and once, they, once the Congress receives that score, then they'll be working through that to make certain that, in fact, uh, it, it is fiscally responsible. Uh, imagine, if you would, however, a system where, we're, where the, the, the incentives within the system are all to drive down costs to provide greater choices and competition for folks, and respond to the specific needs of, of patients. And in so doing, what you do is actually get a much more efficient system for the provision and the delivery of, of, of health care. It's a system we don't have right now because the previous administration felt that the government, ought, federal government ought to do all of this. And we've seen what, what, what came about when the federal government does all of that, that is, increasing premiums, increasing dedu- deductibles, decreasing choices, you got a card that says you've got insurance and you walk in and you can't afford what it is uh, uh, that, that, uh, that's trying to, for the doctor that's trying to take care of you. So this is not a system that's working for folks in that individual and small group market and in the exchanges.
0: Mr. Secretary, many have complained that Obamacare resulted in higher wait times in the emergency room. Will this new bill cause that? Have you have any idea on that?
1: One of the things that, that, uh, that uh, the previous administration said was that they were going to be able to drive folks away from one of the most expensive areas for, for the provision of health care, and that is the emergency rooms. In fact, they did just the opposite. Um, and, and much of that is because of, again, the rules and the regulations that they put in place. So if, from our perspective, we, we believe that if, you, if, if individuals are able to purchase the kind of coverage that they want, then they'll have access to the kind of doctors and other providers that, that, that they desire, and won't need to be able to be seen in the emergency room. They'll already have that, the, the, the care. Emergency rooms ought to be for emergencies, not for the standard care that individuals uh, tend to receive right now. So we believe that if you put in place the right system, then emergency rooms and the emergency physicians will be able to have the opportunity to care for those individuals that appropriately uh, present to their department.
0: Mr. Secretary, I'm interested in following up on your comment that it's important that no one uh, vote on anything that violates their conscience. Um, federal funding already can't be used for abortions, but are you saying the administration has a position on provision of birth control at these community health centers? And secondly, um, is the administration looking to actively uh, withhold <coughs> funding to Planned Parenthood if they continue to provide abortions? as has been reported?
1: and yeah, we're working through all of those issues. Uh, as you know, many of those were through the rulemaking process, and, and and we're working through that. So that's not a part of this piece of legislation you uh, right here.
0: have a view on provision of birth control and access to it when you're talking about women's health care, which you brought up and said you wanted to expand more community funding?
1: Yeah, what, what what we're doing, as I say, is working through the rules and the regulations to see where the previous administration was, see how they did it, and whether or not it needs to be addressed. With the understanding that what we believe is important when we look at the rules and regulations is to define whether or not the rule that rule or regulation actually helps patients or or, or uh, and decreases costs or harms patients and increases costs. If it does the latter, then we need to do away with it. If it does the former, then we ought to accentuate the it. the issue
0: of conscience you were talking about? What was the issue of conscience you were talking
1: about then? To make certain that individuals in in, uh, in the market uh, are not forced to do things that violate their conscience. Yes, sir? Secretary,
0: thank you, sir. Common people and the small businesses have been waiting for this <laughs> new bill uh, under President Trump. So, any message, sir, for them?
1: Well, I, I think that, that this is the culmination of, of uh, years of work. Um, it's the culmination of years of concern and, and frustration by the American people. Uh, they knew at the time that the, that the previous bill, uh, the previous law passed, that it wasn't going to help them. They knew that, that, uh, that, uh, that costs were going to go up. In fact, we predicted uh, at the time that costs would go up and that access uh, uh, would, would go down. Uh, and so this is the culmination of years of, of, of hard work by the electorate, by the citizens of this country, Uh, to say that we want a system, again, that respects patients and families and doctors in these decisions. One more. thank you, Mr. Secretary. Um, The President tweeted out earlier today that he believes that he's working on a plan to uh, have drug prices come down by uh, spurring competition. Can you tell us a little bit about what that plan is going to be, when it might be rolled out? Is it part of these phases? And then the second question, um, the bill also includes a tax break for uh, insurance executives that make more than $500,000. You so said this is about patients. Why is that tax break important for this legislation? To the latter, I'm not, I'm, I'm not aware of that. I'll, I'll, I'll look into that. Drug pricing is really important. Um, so many individuals are now uh, having s- significant difficulty uh, being able to afford the medications that they've been, they've been prescribed. Uh, so we, it, it, whether it's it, and it's not able to be addressed specifically in in the uh, in in this phase one, because it's not a revenue or a spending issue for the federal government, uh, so uh, uh, it, it it can't be in this phase one. But in phase two and three, uh, which may be concurrent uh, uh, in along with this phase one, but uh, in phase two and three, then we look forward to bringing. Uh, solutions to solve the remarkable challenge that patients have across this land with the, with the uh, increasing price of, of drugs. I've got to run. You've got a guy right here who's going to answer all the rest of the questions. Thank you
0: so much. God bless you. thank you, Dr. Price. Um, let me just kind of continue on. Um, the, uh, the bottom line, I think, that the Secretary is making is that uh, Obamacare sought to cover 20 million people, and in the process, it drove up costs for everybody whether or not you are in the exchange or not. Most people get their insurance through their employers. Older populations get their uh, health care through Medicare. Low-income populations get their health care through Medicaid. Uh, and veterans get their insurance through TRICARE. So what we're talking about here is a very defined amount of individuals uh, that we're trying to address and not affect the entire system. Obamacare turned our health care system on its head to address the pool of individuals who don't fall into the buckets that I mentioned. The, our plan that we're talking about today with the House will ensure that those individuals will receive the care that they need if they want an affordable cost while not sending rates skyrocketing. Obamacare was an overcomplicated bill that served the special interests and not the American people. These over 974 pages that were passed, and then we were told we had to read them, are filled uh, with carve-outs by over $1 billion of health care related lobbying that was spent on the year that Obamacare was crafted our plan in far fewer pages, 123. Much smaller, much bigger. Um, So far, we're at um, uh, 57 for the repeal plan and 66 pages for the replacement portion. We'll undo this. And remember, half of it, 57 of those pages, are the the repeal part. Uh, So when you really get down to it, our plan is 66 pages long, half of what we actually even have there. Uh, We'll undo the massive disaster and replace it with a plan to return health care back to the patient. As the President outlined in his joint address, he expects five core principles to guide Congress through this health care process. First, ensure that the American people uh, with pre existing conditions have access to coverage. Second, ensure a stable transition for Americans currently enrolled in the exchanges. Third, provide more uh, equitable tax treatment through tax credits for people who already don't receive tax advantaged health care from their employer. And I know that's something that Secretary. Price was talking about for the vast number of people who get their insurance through uh, through their employer, they're getting it tax-free. Uh, they are not taxed on that that benefit, uh, which is something that is not afforded to people who are in the individual market who either run a small business or or are sole proprietors. Fourth, we should expand the power of health savings accounts to return control to Americans over their health care dollar and decisions. They should be able to choose the plan they want, not the plan that's forced on them by government. And finally, we should give our state governors the resources and flexibility they need with Medicare to make sure that no one is left out. Uh, This is the Obamacare replacement plan that everyone has been asking for, the plan that the President ran on, and the plan that will ultimately save the system. It's also a culmination of years of dedicated work and careful thought by Republicans to find a replacement that will best undo the damage that's been caused by Obamacare while ensuring that all Americans have peace of mind during this stable transition period. These are the principles for which conservatives have been fighting for for years. President Trump looks forward to continuing the dialogue between the administration and the Hill on saving the health care system. What's important to remember is that we're not going to be able to do all this in one bill. As the Secretary mentioned, there are two other steps as well that allow us to get more of the President's plan accomplished after we pass this first important major step. The second piece is already underway, and that's what Secretary Price can do through executive action. Uh, he has already rolled out a handful of important actions, including the major marketplace stabilization <laughs> regulation, regulation to help bring stability to the collapsing insurance market. He'll continue to enact a number of policy changes in the regulatory and administration space, administrative space to achieve what the first step cannot because of the nature of reconciliation. The third piece of uh, executing the President's health care plan is on, requires 60 votes uh, in legislation, maybe, maybe more, depending on uh, what we can do and when. That's how we'll move forward on the policies of purchasing across state lines, lowering drug prices that just came up, and repealing any of Obamacare's premium spiking insurance market distortions that can't be done through this current bill. Also, yesterday, uh, in addition to speaking with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, the President also had separate calls with Prime Minister of Japan, Abe, and South Koreans acting President Hwang. Uh, during both of these calls, the President reiterated the United States' ironclad commitment to stand with Japan and South Korea in the face of the serious threat posed by North Korea. He also emphasized that the administration is taking steps to further enhance our ability to, defer, to deter and defend against North Korea's ballistic missiles using a full range of the United States' military capabilities. Uh, Moving on to today's schedule, this morning, the President had a call with President Kenyatta of Kenya. He'll have a readout for that call soon if it's not already out. The President and the First Lady also announced the official reopening of public tours here at the White House. Uh, You may have seen the President stop by to surprise, uh, greet some of the first visitors on their tour. Uh, We're looking forward to welcoming the people back to the American people back to what is affectionately referred to as the People's House. Uh, We are the world's only executive residence and office of head of state that also serves as a museum free to the people. Uh, Visiting the White House is obviously an experience that's uniquely American, and we encourage guests of all ages to come visit the White House, their house. Also this morning, the Secretary of Commerce, uh, Wilbur Ross, held a press conference announcing that Chinese ZTE Corporation has agreed to a record-high combined criminal and civil penalty of $1.19 billion after the company illegally shipped telecommunications equipment to Iran and North Korea in violation of sanctions. This civil penalty is the largest ever imposed by the Commerce Department's Bureau of Industry and Security, and pending approval from a federal judge The combined penalties between the Commerce Department, the Department of Justice, and the Department of Treasury would be the largest fine in forfeiture ever levied by the U.S. government in such a case. This settlement tells the world that the days of flouting U.S. sanctions, regime, or violating U.S. trade laws are over. President Trump is committed to ending the disrespect of American laws and American workers. So, back to the schedule for a second. Uh, This morning, the President also received his daily intelligence briefing. He had lunch with Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, who will be continue to be an important partner as the president's uh, nominee for the Supreme Court, Judge Gorsuch, uh, begins the confirmation process in the next couple of weeks. At this moment, the President is leading a discussion on immigration with Senator Cotton and Senator Perdue and members of the White House senior staff. The President and the Senators are expected to discuss the merit-based immigration reforms that the President mentioned at last week's joint address. Later this afternoon, the President will lead a meeting with the House Deputy Whip Team focused on uh, repeal and replace of Obamacare. There will be a pool spray at the top of that meeting. The gather time is 3.20. The President will also meet with Richard Trumka, the President of the AFL-CIO. Uh, They're expected to discuss the importance of investing in our country's infrastructure and renegotiating trade agreements like NAFTA. There will also be a pool spray at the top of that meeting, and we'll have uh, further details on it. Uh, This evening, the President will visit with a group of Boy Scouts who are in Washington to participate in a near-century-old tradition of sharing scouting's achievement with key government officials. Looking ahead, I want to let you know that the President will be welcoming at least two foreign leaders in the coming weeks, and I expect additional announcements uh, of additional leaders later, but first, uh, next week Chancellor Merkel of Germany will visit the White House, and the following week the President will welcome Prime Minister Alibali of uh, of Iraq. Uh, with that, I'll kick it off with your questions, Jonathan Carl. Hey, Sean. Sean, uh, it's uh, <laughs> uh, Sean, it's been a Jonathan. Thank you, Sean. It's been a you of practice. <laughs> no, it's been a full three days since the President said that President Obama had his wires tapped, his phones tapped at Trump Tower. In those three days, has the White House come up with any evidence whatsoever to prove that allegation? Yeah, I I addressed this multiple times yesterday. I think the President, we put out a statement on Sunday saying that uh, we would have no further comment, and we were asking the House and the Senate Intelligence Committees to look into this uh, concern um, and report back.